How did the media and the pollsters get it so wrong? We'll discuss Hillary Clinton's surprise win in yesterday's New Hampshire primary. And we'll ask Dr. Richard Land for his perspective on the campaign and what's next in this neck-jerking primary process. This is Jerry Johnson Live from Criswell College. Join us as we look at today's news from the Christian worldview for Christ and culture. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. That's one small step for man, one giant leap for mankind. December 7th, 1941, a date which will live in infamy. I have a dream. It depends upon what the meaning of the word is. Yes. And the people who knock these buildings down will hear all of us soon. We will not tire, we will not falter, and we will not fail. Welcome to Jerry Johnson Live. For the next hour, this is your place for relevant discussion of topics in the news and in our culture from a Christian perspective. Your host is Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Later in the show, we'll open the toll-free lines for your questions and comments. You may also email us at talk at jerryjohnsonlive.com. Now, here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson. Together, let's give America the kind of comeback that New Hampshire has just given me. That's Hillary Clinton, and she says her comeback could mean a comeback for America. Is this true? Is she the right candidate for President of the United States? The Bible says in Proverbs 29, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a a wicked man rules, the people groan. Well, John McCain also coming back. We sure showed him what a comeback looks like. (laughs) All right, Penna. Last week the theme was change. This week the theme is comeback. In just a moment, we're going to talk with Dr. Richard Land about what this means in terms of presidential politics and really what Christians should be looking for when they vote for the next president of the United States. Well, I've got to say, we were sure wrong last night. I hosted the show. I was wrong. I believed the media. I believed the polls. I expected Barack Obama to take the New Hampshire primary. And we're going to, later in the program, ask Tim Graham from the Media Research Center how we all got it so wrong. We're also going to talk about President Bush's trip to the Middle East and this confrontation with the Iranian uh, ships this week. How will this affect his meetings there with Arab leaders? Also, Dr. Johnson, it's a little scary to make predictions at this point, especially after yesterday. But we're going to try to, and we're going to look at what's coming up next in the presidential race. And, of course, Dr. Richard Land is with us to try to do that. All right. Well, let's go back to New Hampshire. The big news yesterday, Hillary Clinton defeating Barack Obama 39 percent to 36 percent. Again, here's Hillary Clinton explaining why she won. Over the last week, I listened to you. And in the process, I found my own voice. All right. There it is. That's sweet. What does this mean? Did she find her voice when she began to cry and quiver? Well, Dr. Richard Land is with us. He's president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention. 
He has been recognized by Time Magazine as one of the 25 most influential evangelicals in America. Dr. Richard Land has written a best-selling book, The Divided States of America. In fact, he's going to be here at Criswell College in two and a half weeks to talk about it for the Criswell Theological Lectures. We'll talk about that in a minute. Welcome to the program, Dr. Land. Well, thank you. It's good to be with you, and I'm looking forward to being there for the Criswell Lectures and um, hope to see lots of folks that I got to know when I was in Dallas and Lots of that have gotten to know me since from listening on the radio. I'll tell you what, let's go ahead and talk about that, because these lectures are going to be about how to get church and state right again in America, how to get God and country right again in America. And again, it's January 29, 30, and 31st at 10 o'clock. It's open to the public, and we'll remind people of that in just a minute. But Dr. Land, uh, this uh, result yesterday surprised most people. Hillary Clinton winning this primary, and she says it's because she found her own voice. Uh, what do you make of that? Well, which voice? <laughs> um, I think she has various voices she's trying out to see which one resonates. Uh, I actually, when I saw the episode of her tearing up, I thought it would work for her. <laughs> um, I thought, I th- first of all, I think it was genuine. I think here's a control freak who was losing control. Um, and, and losing and, the uh, race. And, and of the race. And uh, I think she was, she was shaken. And I think that, that what that did was it brought older women back to her. Mm. She, she did much better with, with middle-aged and older women um, than she did in Iowa. And I think that the crying episode showed a vulnerability, and, um, you know, it. I think a lot of women said, you know, I can relate to that, and bless her heart. Dr. Land, you know, uh, let's actually listen to that again. Many of our listeners have not heard it. Uh, Larry, it's Hillary Emotional. Let's play the tape. It's not easy. Um, and, and I couldn't do it if I just didn't, you know, passionately believe it was the right thing to do. You know, I have so many opportunities from this country. I just don't want to see us fall backwards. You know, so. All right, that's enough of that. Dr. Lynn, I have a question for you. Uh, When we're in a war against Islamofascism, and our president is the commander-in-chief, and he's got to be setting, I mean, is this a musky moment? You'll remember he cried. No, no, I don't think it is. I think that, um, I think, first of all, that... um, uh, whether we like it or not, whether we would desire it or not, we judge men and women by different standards still. And I think that that uh, while men, it made men think less of her, uh, women empathized with her. <laughs> and, um, uh, you know, the gender gap between Obama and Hillary is already large, and it got larger um, after that um, episode of Welling Up with Tears. And um, I think it was enough to pull her through in a very close race. I also think that the reason the pollsters didn't get it right is they had a flawed model. Um, the, they did not anticipate the extent to which new voters entered the process. Mm. And the new voters um, largely went to Obama in Iowa. They, they tilted more toward Hillary. The biggest gap in the election results, though, was age. Larger than the gender gap, larger than any other gap. Younger people, people under 30, went heavily for Obama. People over 50 went overwhelmingly for Hillary. Uh, And that does not bode well for Hillary in future states. I I must tell you that for the first time in my life, I felt a little sorry for Hillary this week, Hmm. because she's trying to beat a phenomenon that there's no playbook 
um, to beat. Uh, I think the Obama phenomenon is truly a phenomenon. It's, it's not left-brained. It's right-brained. Hmm. It's intuitive. It's, 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 it's like lightning in a bottle. And it's bringing new people into the process. It's energizing young people. And uh, uh, I, I Dr. Think Lane, can I jump in on yeah, this? Because yeah, I think um, a tough time trying to figure out how to deal with it. Well, I'm wondering if this is better for the Republican candidates. In a sense, would most of these Republicans in the race rather run against a Hillary than an Obama? Like you said, it's almost like catching water. Well, I think if you ask them, <clears throat> every one of them would prefer to run against Hillary. And the reason is Hillary would be easier to beat. I'm not saying she could that we would beat her, but I think she would be easier to beat. As a conservative, I'd rather see Hillary. As an American, I would rather see Obama. And the reason is, if 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 Obama managed to win, he would be a better president than she would. Mm. And even though he's more liberal than she is, Doctor Land. We read a scripture a moment ago from Proverbs 29 about the righteous being in authority. And I want you to listen to this film, this clip of Hillary Clinton. I wonder if she's talking about you and your friends. For 15 years, I have stood up against the right-wing machine, and I've come out stronger. So if you want a winner who knows how to take them on, I'm your girl. All right, no crying there, Dr. Land. No, no, that's the other, that's the other Hillary voice. See, I think Hillary is such a polarizing figure, um, and has been for such a long time, that if she was, if she's the nominee, it's going to be a very polarizing election, and it'll be more about the past than it will be about the future. And I think that if Obama was the nominee, even though he is more liberal than she is on policies, it will be an election about the future, and it'll be focused on more positive things, and I think the election would be a healthier election. And... Um, I do think, I, I know some people who know Obama pretty well, and while he is very liberal, he is, in their opinion, a fundamentally more decent person than Mrs. Clinton, and one who is far less consumed by ambition, and far less unscrupulous, and far less likely to wow. abuse power. Mm. You know, the other story, Dr. Land, about last night is John McCain. He's back. Dr. Land, but uh, is this a one-shot deal? Is this the only state he's going to win? I know he kind of moves the race out a little longer, gives everybody longer to campaign and raise money. Can he win another state? Yeah, he could win in Michigan. Uh, he won in Michigan against George W. Bush in 2000, and I think it's going to be a real Donnybrook in Michigan um, between um, McCain and Romney, whose father was governor of Michigan. And... Um, and in Huckabee, and in South Carolina, it's going to be a Donnybrook, a four-way Donnybrook with Thompson, Huckabee, McCain, and um, Romney. And then on the 29th, you've got uh, you've got Florida, um, and then, then Giuliani the jumps in. So I think the big you know, the big loser, the biggest loser, is not Mitt Romney. Romney's been hurt badly by not winning either Iowa or New Hampshire, but the person that's been hurt the most is Giuliani. Hmm. Uh, his his strategy of waiting until Florida to compete has has I, been, I think been shown to be a fatal mistake on his part, and uh, I don't think he can recover from it. Doctor Land, let's listen now to John McCain talk about uh, one of his main issues. I will get Osama bin Laden if I have to follow him to the gates of hell. I will get him. 
Dr. Land, we've talked about Romans 13 on this show many times. Primary function of government is to wield the sword against the evildoers. Do you think this is the appeal of John McCain to, to many Americans? And I'd like for you to talk to our listeners about what they should be looking for in a presidential candidate this round. Well, I think that uh, John McCain clearly um, has, um, you know, sterling uh, foreign policy and national security credentials. Um, he certainly has been proven right about the way in which to uh, prosecute the Iraq war. Um, he is someone who uh, clearly his, his strongest suit is, is foreign policy and national security. Um, he has moved somewhat to the right on taxes, having opposed the Bush tax increases. He now opposes repealing them. Um, he's pro-life, although he's wrong on the stem cell issue. Um, and he's wrong on the um, same-sex marriage issue in that he does not want a, a constitutional amendment against it, although he uh, voted for the Defense of Marriage Act. He's against same-sex marriage. He just doesn't want to do what's necessary to stop it. Mm. Um, I'll t- and what, what should we look for in a, in a president? We should yeah, as Christians, for. you know, they're, they're looking at all these candidates yeah. right now, and how should Christians be thinking Christianly? Well, they should look for someone who... Um, who reflects their character, their values, their beliefs, um, their convictions? Um, who is the person? You in need the to race put two or three that, of them together, really. Well, and, and yeah, we need. Well, look, what you need, what you, if you can get it, is uh, character, competence, and chemistry. You want those three if you can get them. And um, character and competence are non-negotiable. Chemistry is the icing on the cake if you can get it. Because but it, it helps you win. Is what, what's win. What wins elections? Reagan had chemistry. W had chemistry. Um, uh, Forty-one did not have as much chemistry. <laughs> Doctor Richard Land is our guest, and he's going to be speaking at Criswell College in two and a half weeks. That is January twenty-nine, thirty, and thirty-first. The Criswell Theological Lectures at ten a.m. It's open to the public. You can go to our website to look at more information on this. Dr. Land, we've only got about 30 seconds. Could you tell our folks what you're going to be talking about? Well, I'm going to be talking about separation of church and state, what it is and what it isn't, the role that religion has played in our past, the role that religion should play in our future, and the role that it shouldn't play, and um, what, what, uh, what role is rightful for uh, religious conviction to play in public policy and to give examples of, of the proper way and the improper way that we should uh, uh, look at this. Dr. Richard Land, President of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission of the Southern Baptist Convention, thank you for being with us. Now, folks, the number is 800-881-9270. Who are you for? Hillary, Obama, Edwards. Who are you against? We're going to be talking about it. 800-881-9270. Is it Huckabee? Is it Romney? Is it McCain? Call with your opinion. We'll be right back. Churches all over town. Christian Radio and TV. God opens the windows of heaven to you. The Pledge of Allegiance. And in your pocket on a few coins, a declaration of trust. One nation under God. We should be looking for candidates who endorse us. January 29th, KCBI and Criswell College present a lecture series to explore if it's still true. One nation under God. Dr. Richard Land, president of the Ethics and Religious Liberties Commission, will be speaking. It is our responsibility to speak up for those who cannot speak for themselves. You are invited. We've got so much to talk about. Lectures begin at 10 a.m. and are free and open to the public public 
January 29th, 30th, and 31st at the Criswell College in Dallas. We'll hear if America's past is on track with America's future. One nation under God. More of the music and ministry you can trust on 90.9 KCBI. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. Mac is back, at least he's back for the moment, and uh, the question is, can he stay back? That's John McCain, and he even said in his acceptance speech last night that uh, he can't call himself a comeback kid because he's not a kid. He's, uh, he's beyond that. <laughs> uh, but he's back, at least for uh, the time being, and I guess the question is, how will he do in Michigan, which is the next state where he'll compete with the other candidates? I think what this really does, Dr. Johnson, is every race right now has a, has a different first-place winner. And so what it does is, you know, we worried about this compressed primary process, it sort of gives everybody a little more time now to tweak and retool and speak to the voters in the particular state that they're going to. So the Republicans will go to Michigan. Now, the Democrats do not compete there because they were penalized by the Democratic Party for moving that primary up too soon. They do not get to count those delegates. So they're heading off to campaign in Nevada and also South Carolina. And I want to read this verse again. It's in Proverbs 29. When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. And uh, I think it's important that we look for righteous leadership, godly Mm -hmm. leadership. And uh, that's really what we're talking about today. What candidate best fits that profile? Uh, Actually, we could talk about which ones fit either profile. (laughs) Who's the wicked? Who's the righteous? And that is, what is the profile we're looking for in a president of the United States? We're asking people to call 800-881-9270. Is national security more important to you than pro-life and pro-family? That's why some people say, oh, I'm pro-life, but I'm still going to vote for Giuliani. Mm -hmm. And others would say, well, I'm for McCain, even though he's weak on stem cell research. Something like that. So we want to know what you think. 800-881-9270. 800-881-9270. I want you to hear John McCain say why uh, he thinks that he won this primary. I didn't just tell you what the polls said you wanted to hear. I didn't tell you what I knew to be false. I didn't try to spin you. I just talked to the people of New Hampshire. All right, I just talked to the people of New Hampshire. A straight talk has been one of his themes that he's carried over from his previous run at it. And uh, he does uh, say what he thinks. And he really doesn't care sometimes what others think. And let's see what our listeners think. Again, the number is 800-881-9270. we got old Bob on again from Terrell. Bob, thank you for calling. What's your view? Yes, Dr. Johnson, I still think Huckabee is uh, going to have a chance. And uh, we saw how a wicked person by the name of Hillary Clinton can use deceit with her little crying spell <laughs> to, uh, to win an election. So the wicked person is Hillary Clinton because she used deceit with a little crying spell to uh, turn voters and uh, win an election. And she will use amazing. deceit to uh, ruin the United States of America. All right, Bob, thank you for that call. We've got Lance on the line from Rockwall. Lance, how do you see it? Uh, well, I, I see it both ways. In terms of evil, I would say uh, Barack Obama, because if you look into uh, the theology of the church that he attends, I, I, I 
guess you would call it false gospel based on yeah. the town hall meeting. Yeah. And uh, in terms of what is uh, most righteous or mo- most godly, I-, I think Fred Thompson, even though you know he's not as uh, staunch and evangelical as, as Huckabee, for obvious reasons, I, I think that his views are, um, I think he's right on all the issues. Well, Barack Obama is the most pro-abortion candidate in the race, and one thing that shows it is when he was in the state legislature in Illinois, he voted against a bill that would have protected babies that were supposed to be killed in an abortion but weren't. I call that really pro-abortion. That's pro-infanticide. Infanticide. Again, that scripture of Proverbs 29, when the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. When a wicked man rules, the people groan. The question we're asking today, uh, how do you classify these candidates with the righteous, with the wicked? Who are you voting for and why? The number is 800-881-9270. We've got Isaiah on the line from Rockwall. Thank you for calling, Isaiah. What's your view? Well, just to start out, I'd like to say that I'm a proud supporter of Fred Thompson. All right. You don't sound like you're old enough to vote, Isaiah, but you're supporting him anyway. Yes. And why? Well, I think that he's the most, uh, excuse me, Christian candidate in the race. Well, all right. Well, I think that sounds like a pretty good reason. Isaiah supporting Fred Thompson. Thank you for that call. And uh, we've got Felicia on the line from San Angelo. Felicia, who are you supporting and why? Well, I don't want my comments to be biased, so I'm I'm not going to state who I support. But I just wanted to make a comment that... We don't have to worry about economics. We don't have to worry about security as long as we put our trust in God. When David, David wasn't experienced when God called him to be the king of Israel. God took care of all of that. He took down Goliath. He took down many armies. What we have to do is pray that God will guide us to who we should vote for. Don't worry about what churches these people attend. Pray. That's what I think we should be calling to. Pray that God will give us the knowledge and see through whomever we feel is evil, because God will weed him out. He will cut him down. We don't have to do that. Felicia, That's let me ask I you this follow, a follow-up question there. Do you feel like, though, if we're, we need to look for the pro-life kind of a candidate, a pro-marriage candidate, do you feel like some of these issues, though, are really important? Well, I do feel like the issues are important, but... Like with the current presidency or the current thing, a lot of things were told to us that I don't see come through. Yes, stem cell was sure was protected. Yes, a lot of pro-life things were protected. But a lot of other things I felt we were lied to. Mm -hmm. And any of these candidates can lie. Like one of the the other callers said, these people turn things on and off. They change their message on and off. I'm not going to worry about what I say when I'm going to pray. I'm going to fast. I'm going to lean on God and trust Him that all my issues and all my cares and the security and the other nations, I know that prayer and trusting in God alone. You know, we can all pray, though, and God might give us all different answers. So, you know, I don't know. Uh, I'm going to pray certainly about who I support. But I want to go back, Dr. Johnson, really quickly to Isaiah's uh, support for Fred Thompson, because this is the Reagan three-legged stool we've been talking about. Economic issues like small government, low taxes, He's for that. Uh, social issues, he's pro-life. He's been endorsed by the National Right to Life Committee. And then the, uh, the national security leg of the, of, the, of the Reagan stool, he's very strong on. So he's a really good candidate, I think, for people to support. It's he, just that he's not doing well. Well, he really is. And I think Dr. Land was interesting. He said we're going to have a four-way fight in South Carolina. This is where Fred Thompson needs to come in number one or number two, I think, to stay viable. Yeah. And he is a Southerner. 
And he is a conservative, and you're right, he's conservative on life, conservative on economics. He has probably the best spending proposal and tax proposal out there, I think, and the most conservative. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's also strong on national security. But his chemistry, Dr. Land's chemistry factor is missing right now. Well, it is. I think if he would uh, revert to his acting techniques in uh, Hunt for Red October or yeah. Law and Order, <laughs> he'd do a lot better. Really some fire and chemistry there. Ed is on the line from Dallas. Ed, who are you supporting and why? Uh, I think Hillary's going to take it all. And, uh, you know, you're talking about that Proverbs question. And in reality, it, you really don't know the inside heart of either of these candidates. But, you know, President Bush has been in there for eight years. And since he's been in there, I guarantee you millions of babies have died because of him. And uh, he Because of him. How would you say, wait, years. Ed, because of him. Ed, Ed. In spite of, in spite of his prolonged Ed. stance. How could you say because of him? Well, I mean, it's just a simple fact is that, that he's the one that didn't push through the policies to stop it like he said he would. Well, Ed, I, I think, mean, you know, uh, yeah, I'm sorry, Ed, you just don't know what you're talking about. And I'm not here as a defender of President Bush, but President Bush has appointed pro-life judges, and he has vetoed um, embryonic stem cell type of measures and um, he signed the partial birth abortion ban. That's it, right? And he's you know stayed with that Hyde Amendment. He's not allowing the federal government to fund abortion. So he's done all a president can do. Now, obviously, the abortions are still occurring, but he is under law and under authority as well. And right now, Roe versus Wade is still the law of the land. The president can't change that except with his judicial appointments. Terry is on the line from Dallas. Terry, thank you for calling. What's your opinion? Yes, sir. I'm going to put my money on uh, the one man outside the box. Mr. Ron Paul. Ron Paul, tell us why. Because I believe he's got a handle on what the situation is. I think all of them talking heads do, but they all are inside the box. <laughs> well, he's certainly outside the box. And, you know, I got to say, I like what he talks about when he's referring to the Constitution and how we need to get back to the Constitution. And uh, the federal government shouldn't be doing all the things that they're trying to do. But let me ask you this, Terry, as we're talking about the Christian worldview. Uh, Ron Paul's libertarianism leads him then to espouse some things that uh, most Christians, you know, are going to disagree with, whether it's legalized drug use or prostitution or gambling. Uh, what do you make of all that? Well, I don't believe he's going to carry any water with that. You know, he's he's the president, but his stick ain't that big. You know, we got <laughs> one man outside the fence and one man inside the fence, but we still got the fence. All right. Well, uh, you know, like Georgia, Mr. George up there, he he uses the name God all the time. Well, he does. I believe he uses it with a small g, because he never mentions my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He only says God, and he belongs to the skull and bones. I think their God is Satan. Okay, well, we're getting into some conspiracy theory there. Thank you so much, Terry, for calling. Last caller in this segment, Celia from Glen Rose. Celia, uh, what's your view? Well, I am uh, married to a Southern Baptist pastor. Yes. I guess I'm a little bit prejudiced, but I think Mike Huckabee is my candidate. But my husband said something about Rudy Giuliani that I think is very important. How can he protect us from terrorists when he won't protect the most innocent among us, the unborn baby? Hey, Celia, I think that is an important point. And um, actually, how can a man say that his priority is protecting human life, innocent human life, that that's the first job of the president? But he won't protect those lives in the womb. And uh, I think there is a contradiction there. And the Declaration says, We are endowed by our Creator with a right to life. 
And that applies to all humans, every age, every stage, from the cradle to the grave, from the womb to the tomb. That's the pro-life position. Giuliani doesn't get it. Well, when we come back, we're going to talk about how we got this so wrong. Everyone thought Obama would win. And is the media going to manipulate you in this election cycle? You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Crystal College and Crystal Communications. So tomorrow, we're going to get up, roll up our sleeves, and keep going. All right, that's Hillary Clinton. She's running for president of the United States. She won the New Hampshire primary. Uh, the stats are Hillary Clinton at 39%, Obama, Barack Obama 36%, John Edwards 17% in New Hampshire. That's the Democrat side. On the Republican side, we've got John McCain winning with 37%, Mitt Romney with 31% in second, and Mike Huckabee third in 11%. And this really puts Huckabee up, though, among the second tiers uh, now really in the first tier uh, group of candidates because no one predicted him to do very well in New Hampshire, and he beat out all the others, even Rudy Giuliani and Ron Paul up in a state that uh, is more libertarian, more, you know, about uh, freedom and so forth. Mm-hmm. So Huckabee showing really strong. Now, here's Hillary Clinton uh, because she was in trouble last week. Everybody thought she was going to win, that the change mantra uh, with uh, Huckabee winning and Obama winning last week in Iowa. Everybody thought it was all about change. You got this fresh, new face, charismatic figure, Barack Obama. And Hillary Clinton, um, I think, with some veiled criticism of Obama and his candidacy. Some of us are right and some of us are wrong. Some of us are ready and some of us are not. Some of us know what we will do on day one, and some of us haven't really thought that through enough. All right, so she was saying... Some of us are ready, and some of us are not. Some of us know what we do on day one, and some of us do not. And she meant by that that Obama is inexperienced. And yes, there's a media glow, and um, there was a wave of momentum with Obama. But she was wanting voters to doubt whether he's really ready for prime time. But the fact is... The media bought the Obama story hook, line, and sinker after winning just one caucus. He was almost coronated as the next president of the United States. So we need to talk about the media and their role in uh, manipulating public opinion. And many of them have egg on their face uh, today. Uh, after the results last night. I've got a lot of egg on my face because I spent the whole program asking listeners about Obama and, you know, just really assuming he would win. I've got the news. I'm glad I wasn't on yesterday. Oh, I know. I'm I'm just like wiping this egg off. But uh, I've got my Newsweek, which I got today with a big picture of Obama. They were assuming he was uh, the king and the winner. And, you know, we've got to ask why the media, how they got it so wrong. How did we all get caught up in this? And with us to do this is Tim Graham. He is director of media analysis at the Media Research Center. Hi, Tim. Thanks for joining us. Hi. How did we all get it so wrong? I mean, did you get it wrong? I try not to make predictions. Mm-hmm. Probably smart. I don't have to do a radio show every day. so. I, well, Tim, I, uh, what, do we blame the media for this? The pollsters were wrong, so the medias were picking up on polls as late as 5 o'clock yesterday. I think it tells you that the, poll, that the media does too much reliance on polls, and the media 
needs to wait for the people to vote. Uh, I think that this is, you know, there's been a sort of an outbreak of sanity today. Uh, you know, Tom Brokaw last night says, we're stampeding the process. Exactly right. You need to relax and let the voters decide. And the voters don't decide when you interview 200 of them on a weekend. They decide on a Tuesday. The real and, poll is the election. Yeah, exactly. So, I mean, I think that they're... You know, the news media needs to do more reporting that's very simple, and that is, you know, Hillary was in Hanover, and she said X. Barack Obama was in Manchester, and he said Y. And they just don't want to do that. They want to be pundits and editorialists and, and strategists, and they don't want to just report. Tim, is and there a sense in which they want to lead the news rather than follow and report it? Yeah, I mean, I think that there's a real contempt for the idea of the reporter as just the stenographer of what public officials say. That's what voters need. The voters, one of the most important things they need is, on behalf of the voters, the media brings to you what the public officials or what the candidates for office have to say. That's yeah. one of the things they need to do. And, you know, they all said, well, I went to Harvard. I didn't go to Harvard just to replay somebody's remarks. You know, we've been talking about this whole populist uh, aura around some of the candidates and um, the rise of the populist candidate. Is this sort of a reaction to media elites and also establishment figures in the parties trying to make these decisions? Is this is this sort of a reaction to that? Well, I have a hard time believing that people in the Democratic Party are unhappy with the media establishment. I mean, I suppose there are groups now sort of organized around the idea that the media isn't fair enough to the Democrats. But I, I don't really think that the, that the Democrats in this race were trying to send a message to the media for jumping the gun. And I also don't believe the other media theory, which is that the Democrats, the liberal Democrats of New Hampshire, uh, weren't going to vote for a black man. I mean, obviously that's ludicrous. But there's a suggestion now that people lied to the pollsters in New Hampshire because they didn't want to say wow. they wouldn't be voting for Obama. I don't buy that either. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. We're talking to Tim Graham. He's Director of Media Analysis for the Media Research Center. Tim, I'm thinking, you know, if Dan Rather always wanted to call those uh, results before the polls close, and, and the Dewey defeats Truman newspaper. We've all seen that picture where the media got it wrong. And on this show, and your group is always talking about sort of the bias of ideology. There is a media bias ideological bias to the left, but I want you to address really two other forms of bias. That is the bias of ignorance and the bias of immediacy. With 24-hour news cable cycles, they feel like they've always got to be saying something. Is there a bias of ignorance and a bias of immediacy when it comes to what the media has to say in these elections? I think you can make a case for those. Obviously, one of the things that we have is that, yeah, the news media sometimes don't really know the people they're talking about. You certainly see that, for example, behind a Huckabee surge, where they don't understand where that's coming from. And you're saying, well, this is obviously a group of voters you don't know very well, and when you think about them, they scare you. <laughs> uh, you know, there certainly is a lot of things where the news media, when it comes to conservatives, don't understand how they think, how they feel. Um, that they're idealists, too. I think that's one of the things that upsets me. That's not ignorance. That's just rudeness, lack of charity, uh, to, to assume that conservatives don't have an idealism as well. Uh, and then certainly, yes, when, when you're stuffing that 24-7, 
news hole. I would say to you that bias of immediacy is a bias. It's actually a bias of trying to constantly turn the news into the future, and we saw that very well here, is that instead of telling you what just happened, they're constantly telling you what's going to happen tomorrow. Well, Tim, Um, let me ask you this question. On the Republican side and the Democrat side, who do you think is um, the best at work in the media on the Republican side? Who's got that handle now? Well, the media's favorite is John McCain. Mm. Um, and that part of that, obviously, is that John McCain has always granted them great access. John McCain has always acted like he doesn't distrust them or think they're his enemies. But I think it's also important that John McCain, on, on a lot of issues, and maybe not quite as much this time, uh, was liberal on a lot of the issues in 2000. He's still... Mm. Uh, off the conservative reservation on op- op- right. like and they wanted form. him. The media wanted him to be the Republican nominee. Well, McCain, uh, McCain Feingold gave the media a lot of power in a sense in elections too, and I think they like that. Right. Well, so I mean, part of it's his ac- the access he provides, but part of it's also that they're looking for what they used to talk about. I remember when they were all wanted Colin Powell to be president. Uh, back in the 1996 cycle, and they said, we're looking for a Republican that we can work with, (laughs) which means we want a Republican who will compromise a lot with the Democrats. And I think that's really been McCain's profile in the Senate as a guy who's always willing to work with Ted Kennedy uh, and fashion a bill the way Kennedy likes it and support that. That's the kind of president they want. If we're going to have a Republican president, we want a guy who will work with the Democrats, not a guy who will defeat the Democrats. Well, that is a media bias. Tim Graham, Director of Media Analysis, Media Research Center. Tim, thank you for being with us. Sure. I hope to have you back. All right, folks, again, I want to bring this back to the Christian worldview. And today we're looking at that verse again, Proverbs 29.2, When the righteous are in authority, the people rejoice. But when a wicked man rules, the people groan. It's important in the Bible who is in charge. I'll never forget this. Uh, back when um, Marion Barry, the cocaine-smoking, um, uh, crack-smoking mayor of New York City, was reelected, Pat Buchanan said 20 Washington, years ago— Washington, D.C. Yes, yeah, New, yeah, that's right. It was uh, Washington, D.C. He said, uh, corrupt people will elect corrupt politicians every time. And uh, we do get who we deserve in the end. Uh, and what will this election say about the character of the American people? What will we go for? Is it about the pocketbook or is it about human life? Is it about um, just who's popular and who has the charisma? Or is it really about principles, principles, economic principles and marriage principles and life and death principles? We'll see what's really important to the American people. It'll be a reflection on our country. Well, I want you to hear some some sound that is troubling. And we do have the sound now from one of the Iranian speedboats that threatened our U.S. Navy during numerous warnings to leave. This is the back and forth, listen carefully, between these Iranian terrorists and our Navy shipmen. I'm coming to you. Your identity is not known. Your intentions are unclear. Request you establish communications now. All right, that real ugly voice said, I am coming to you. You will explode or we will explode in a few minutes. 
Now, this is what we're up against in Ahmad Inajad, Ahmad Jihad, some have called him, and who wants to wipe Israel off the face of the globe and wants to imagine a world without the United States of America. When we come back, what does President Bush say about this incident? Also, President Bush is in the Mideast. How should we think about the conflict between Israel and the Palestinians? What does John Hagee say about it? We'll be right back. If you're looking for a college experience that is distinctively Christian, come to Criswell College. Contact us today for information about the upcoming term. Criswell College places a strong emphasis on the Word of God, a Christian worldview, and being an effective witness to a world that needs Jesus Christ. Criswell College is totally committed to the Bible as the authoritative, inspired, and inerrant Word of God to ensure that every student receives a solid biblical and doctrinal foundation. Our worldview approach to ministry prepares every Criswell College student to view each academic discipline through a Christian frame of reference and to engage our culture and the world of ideas from a Christian perspective. Along with this word and worldview emphasis, each Criswell College student gets hands-on ministry training in missions and evangelism to be an effective witness through mission trips at home and abroad. Contact Criswell College today for information about the upcoming term. Call 1-800-899-0012 or on the web go to criswell.edu. That's chriswell.edu. You're listening to Jerry Johnson Live. Now here's your host, Dr. Jerry Johnson, president of Criswell College and Criswell Communications. It's a historic opportunity to work for peace. All right, that's President Bush. He is in the Middle East. He's with the Israeli Prime Minister and also talking with the Palestinian leader, and he says this is an opportunity for peace. And uh, that area, of course, has been torn by strife between mainly the Jewish people and the Arabs, many of them motivated by an Islamic jihadist mentality. In fact, we mentioned a moment ago, these Iranian speedboats were really threatening a kind of a suicide attack on our ships, and that's the way they were talking on the radio, in English, mind you. And uh, President Bush said, you know, uh, he's really concerned about this, uh, this incident. We viewed it as a provocative act. It was a dangerous situation. And they should not have done it. Pure and simple. All right. So this was sort of like the attack on the U.S. coal. It could have been something like that. These guys might have come up beside that ship and mm-hmm. blown a hole in it and killed a bunch of sailors. Uh, they didn't. And um, But I think this tells us something about the Iranian regime and the way they look at us. And we're going to be following this. But uh, this Mideast um, peace process, uh, you know, the to me the elephant in the room is... Islamic Jihad. The uh, the president can talk all he wants about a democratic government in Palestine, but when Hamas is winning the majority elections, uh, democracy is not so good. If the people are evil and the majority of them vote for evil leaders, the terrorists, then we're not going to have peace in the Middle East. And so they're going to have to come to terms with that. Democracy uh, is not a good thing when the people are for Islamic Jihad 
in mass. You know, in uh, sort of the run-up to this visit, there's been talk about Iran and how oh, we can sit down with them, and, you know, they've been behaving a little bit better lately. But this incident that took place is sort of a reminder because the uh, the ships, the Iranian ships in this area are under the control of the Iranian Revolutionary Guard, and this is a terrorist organization. It was designated and called that by our country uh, last fall. And they took those British sailors hostage, same the, group. A, a same group, and so they they're committed to Islamic Jihad, and you could hear that in those words. And I think it's oh, yeah. a good reminder as President Bush goes over there, because we worry sometimes about our government trying to pressure Israel to make concessions. And to have a Palestinian state side by side that wishes you to be not exist uh, and, you know, will use any means to do so. I mean, you know, we don't need to be pushing Israel towards accepting that. All right. Pastor John Hagee uh, down in South Texas. Uh we were critical of him a couple of weeks ago, mm-hmm. and we're going to talk about him some more later. But I actually want to hear now what John Hagee said about the conflict between the Palestinians and the Jews and really who America should be siding with. Until Hamas and Hezbollah and those terrorist organizations recognize Israel's right to exist and cease and desist from terrorism, Peace doesn't have a chance because Israel doesn't have a partner for peace. All right, John Hagee is right on Mm -hmm. target there, and here he is again. I think it's unwise for the United States or any nation to pressure Israel to give up land that was given to them in the biblical covenant, and most assuredly, it would be unwise for them to divide the city of Jerusalem. All right, Pastor John Hagee is right again on that mark. And uh, I like what he has to say on that topic. The problem is with John Hagee, and we talked about this a week or two ago, he's become so pro-Israel and so pro-Jewish that he's not so pro-gospel when it comes to talking about evangelism and what the Jews need to do to have a relationship with God. And he says in this new book and the promotion to this new book that Jesus did not offer himself as Messiah— He did not come as Messiah to the Jews. He also says the Jews did not reject Jesus as Messiah. Absolutely false. And when we did this program a week or two ago, we had a lot of people call and write in. And I can just tell you right now, we're going to be doing another show on this topic real soon. We really need to talk about this. I think a major hour on really the teaching of John Hagee when it comes to the Jewish people, how Christians ought to be relating. And, Penna, this just reminds me what this show is all about. We talk about the elections. We talk about economics. We talk about uh, men's issues, women's issues. We talk about abortion and euthanasia and cloning, stem cell research, the movies. And we have the key players on this program. It is our two-week, two-year, actually, two-year anniversary tonight. I don't know why I said two weeks. It's exciting. But uh, time has been, on been the air flying two years. for me and uh, for you as you've come alongside to join me and for our staff. And I want to thank Larry Williams and Andrew Bear and Pennedexter tonight on the air. And by the way, it's Larry's birthday today, so happy birthday, happy birthday to, to, you. <laughs> to Larry. But I want to remind our listeners what this program is about. You know, we had Richard Land on here earlier, and uh, he is going to be at the Criswell College on January 29th to do these lectures on church and state, on God and country. And um, I want to invite the public uh, to check that out on the website and to join us. But we are having on this program the kind of guests you don't get anywhere else. Coming up 
This month, Newt Gingrich again to talk about God and country. we got Jason Elam for sports fans out there, Denver Broncos kicker. David Barton to talk about God and country. Bill Federer to talk about God and country. Uh, Al Mohler coming on again this month. And, of course, Van Hemp to talk about these national security issues. No other program like this, um, really, I know, on the scene. Well, what is the Christian worldview? Let's just be reminded on this two-year anniversary. We do believe that we should look at the news and entertainment and politics and everything through a Christian frame of reference. What are some of those points we talked about on day one? I spent 20 minutes talking about the Christian worldview. The reality and existence of the one true and living God. We look at everything first through the reality and the existence of God. That that God speaks and that God reveals himself through the written word, the Bible, and through the living word, Jesus Christ. That God is the creator and he has created us in his image. Yes, with inalienable rights as well. And we've talked about that from the Declaration of Independence. But we've also talked about the fact that human beings, not only created in God's image, the bad news is we've sinned. And we talk about the problem and reality of sin on this program as we look at the news, we look at entertainment. Something is wrong with this world. And we know sin is pervasive. And of course, the great point in the Christian worldview that we always want to come back to the good news, the good news, though, is Jesus Christ. God has a solution to the sin problem. He sent His Son to be the Savior of the world, to forgive us of our sin, to cleanse us of our sin, and to change us. But that's not the end of the story. And that is the final point in the Christian worldview. Jesus Christ is coming again to rule and to reign and to change us and to make us new and different. That is the end. The Christian worldview is about the origins. Where did we come from? The purpose, what is life all about, and our destiny. Where is this world heading? It's heading to Jesus Christ. Every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that He is Lord. That's how it's all going to turn out. This is Jerry Johnson Live with Pentadexter. Talk to you tomorrow. You've been listening to Jerry Johnson Live, a Christian worldview radio show. Join Dr. Jerry Johnson, President of Criswell College and Criswell Communications, Monday through Friday at 5 p.m. for an hour of relevant discussion of news and culture from a Christian perspective.